If you've got a Bible, then please would you grab it and turn with me to Jonah chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, you can find it on your phone, either on a Bible app you may have, or you can Google Jonah chapter 2. We're in a sermon series looking at the book of Jonah, uh, which is just an incredibly strange and funny little book about the world's worst prophet, Uh, and we're digging into what God has to say to us today through it. Um, But before we dig into Jonah 2, I want to tell you about an epiphany I had Uh, this year. Life-changing, mind-blowing epiphany. Um, You know the joke, why did the chicken cross the road? Um, Why did the chicken cross the road? To get the other side. Yeah, you have heard the joke. I'd always thought it's like an anti-joke. Do you know what I mean by anti-joke? It's a joke that's deliberately not funny. Like, why does anyone cross the road? to get to the other side of the road, right? It's like, just, it's, it's a chicken, just, it's just not a joke. It's like an anti-joke. Um, and then I realized, I had an epiphany, I should have realized this, like this is obvious, but obviously to get to the other side, it's talking about dying, right? So like, it's actually a joke. Like it's not a funny joke, but, but it is, it's actually a play. Are you not astounded by this? Like, did everyone else already know this? Is this a thing that you already know? Mind-blowing. So you could believe one thing your whole life, and then in one moment, the whole why did a chicken cross the road joke changes for you. Fantastic. I wonder if you ever had an epiphany. That was my major epiphany this year. Um, Now, we're looking at Jonah, uh, and uh, in the book of Jonah, in Jonah chapter 1, God tells Jonah to go here, and Jonah, in his wonderful wisdom, decides he would rather go here, uh, and it doesn't go very well for Jonah, does it? He uh, ends up, big storm, running away from God doesn't generally go very well, big storm, chucked overboard, that's the end of Jonah chapter 1. Now we're going to read Jonah chapter 2 today, and in Jonah 2 we get a, a first-hand account of Jonah's biggest epiphany. It's bigger than why did the chicken cross the road? It is a life-changing epiphany Jonah has in Jonah chapter 2. And I've asked Helen if she'll come and read that to us. So Jonah, we're actually going to start in the last verse of Jonah 1. Um, and so Helen's going to read that for us. Okay. Right. Uh, so the last verse is, But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Verse, uh, chapter 2 goes on to say Jonah's prayer. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help. And you listened to my cry and hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, 
I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. <clears throat> uh, briefly, pass this by uh, Matt, and he's just said it briefly. Go ahead with this. Um, as the service started um, in worship today, I felt very, very strongly that um, I had to take my shoes off before, uh, because I was coming before the throne of grace. But it was whilst in worship that I was reminded really clearly of Moses in Exodus when he stood before the burning bush. And um, out of the burning bush came the voice of God. It was the voice of God that came out of the burning bush. And he told, um, he told Moses to take his shoes off because he was standing on holy ground. And um, I'm just aware that, you know, when we come in here with, with, with the places that we come from and uh, the mindsets that we have and everything, that sometimes it's quite difficult to actually walk in and believe that we're actually coming before the throne of grace and we're standing on holy ground. But I honestly believe the Lord was saying to me and to us that as we stand before Matt this day, we're not standing necessarily before the, before the um, burning bush, but we're listening to the voice of God. We are quite literally sitting before the throne of grace, and from the throne of grace comes the voice of God, and the voice of God is being blessed to us through Matt as he preaches. So I just uh, thought I would share that with you. Thanks, Helen. Father, thank you that when we hear your word, when you hear the Bible preached, we hear your voice. And so, Father, we, we, don't, we want to be obedient to what your word says here today. We want to hear the voice of God and know him speaking to us. Amen. Last week, I said Jonah's not about the flipping fish. Um, two verses in the book of Jonah that mention the fish. Uh, and so if we just focus on the fish, we're going to miss everything else that God has for us through the book of Jonah. But we do get the fish in this passage. So I do need to address um, the fish in the room uh, a little bit. Um, so there are two groups of people uh, in terms of looking at Jonah. Uh, both love Jesus, both believe the Bible, both believe the Bible is the authoritative, inspired word of God, both believe in miracles, both believe Jonah was a real, literal person, and one group would say Jonah was literally swallowed by a fish for three days. And one group would say, this is a metaphor, this is supposed to be taken um, as parable, that kind of thing. They both believe the word of God, and um, they come to different conclusions. I'm not going to tell you which one I believe. We can chat about that over coffee. But 
there are both of those views. But what they would both agree on is that what Jonah 2 is doing is it's not trying to get us to believe a man was literally swallowed by a fish or not. That's not the discussion that's happening in Jonah 2. The big question in Jonah 2 is what happens in the fish. And so that's what we're going to look at today. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, verse 1. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called out for help, and you listened to my cry. Two surprises, very, very quickly, from the, this verse. The first is, Jonah's not dead. Okay, that's the first surprise. Normally, if you've got a story where someone runs away from God and then gets chucked overboard and swallowed by a fish, what is the ending of that story? Well, that is the ending of the story, right? Normally, but Jonah is alive. Not only is he alive, he's in the fish writing complex Hebrew poetry. Like, that's, that's a bit of a surprise. I don't think he looked like that, but I like the idea of Jonah hanging out his washing inside. I like that image. Uh, but he's, he's not dead. He's writing complex Hebrew poetry. That's the first surprise. And then he cries out to God. And that's not the surprise. That's what the sailors did when the storm came. They cried out to God. That's a normal human thing to do, to cry out to whoever might be listening out there. The real surprise of verse 1 is that God answers. Jonah has stuck up his middle finger towards God. He has run and pegged in completely the opposite direction. And now he's crying out to God. And if it was me, I'd be going, Jonah, you had your chance. You have made your fish. Now go and lie in it, please, Jonah. That's, that's enough. But God answers. And I don't know how close you feel to God or how far away from God you feel today. I don't know if you feel like you're running away from God and how long you feel like you've been running from him. But if you call to God, he will answer. You cannot run so far from God that he will not answer you when you call out to him. And so what we see, the first thing that happens in the, in the belly of the fish is we see an encounter with God. We don't quite know what this encounter looks like, but somehow God speaks to him. Somehow God ministers to him, and it's not a nice situation. In verse 2, he is deep in the realm of the dead. In verse 5, seaweed wrapped around my head. It's like, a, like grave clothes. It's like seaweedy grave clothes. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. My life was ebbing away. He's basically describing a near-death experience. He's describing being buried alive. That is what he's feeling in this moment. It is, he's in a, a, a fishy, seaweedy tomb right now, and yet he encounters God. That just because he's in the belly of the fish, it does not mean God has abandoned him. Just because he has run away from God does not mean God will run from him. He may have run away, but in the belly of the fish, he encounters God. And this encounter leads to transformation. Look with me at verse 6. Sorry, look at verse 7. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Think about Jonah in chapter 1. He doesn't care what God thinks, yet here in Jonah chapter 2, he is worshipping God. Everything's focused on God. He's sticking up one, he's sticking a middle finger to God in Jonah chapter 1. In Jonah 2, he's saying, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to sacrifice to God. 
He's completely only caring about what he wants in Jonah chapter 1, but in Jonah chapter 2, he's saying, ah, he's just lost in ecstatic worship and praise of God. He can't control it. It's bursting forth while he's in the belly of the fish. And you go, how did this transformation happen? This is not the same Jonah that appeared in Jonah chapter 1. And then you look back through the chapter, and you just see God's fingerprints all over the place. Who is it who provides the huge fish that swallows Jonah? God, the Lord, provided a huge fish. Who is it who, why does the fish vomit, and it is vomit, Jonah out onto the dry lands? Why? Because the Lord commanded the fish. I like the idea of fish swimming around the sea at the Lord's command, just doing whatever he wants, swallowing random dudes and spitting them out onto dry land. Who hurls Jonah into the sea? Well, why is Jonah in the sea? It's his own moronic behavior. He's in the sea because of his own actions. Or he's in the sea because the sailors chucked him in the sea. But look at verse 3. You, that is Yahweh, the Lord, hurled me into the depths. All your waves and breakers swept over me. What's happening in the fish is Jonah's looking back over his own actions. He's looking back over what's happened to him, what's going on, the situation he finds himself. And he sees God's fingerprints all over the situation. That somehow God has been at work. And he comes to this epiphany, this life-changing moment that changes everything for him in verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. In the belly of the fish, he has a moment where he realizes he's messed up. That he has been focusing on the wrong thing. And the only thing at the end of the day that really honestly matters when you're in the belly of the fish is what have I done with God's love for me? Have I run from it or have I embraced it? And this epiphany changes him. It's, it's massive, actually. Look at verse 6. Think about, he's in the belly of the fish, so his situation hasn't changed. You, Lord my God, bought my life up from the pit. Past tense. So he's in the belly of the fish, being slowly digested. And yet he's saying, you've saved me, God. You've, you've bought my life up from the pit. There's been a change that happens in Jonah, in the belly of the fish. And I would argue there has been a change in Jonah that could only happen in the belly of the fish. There are lessons that he is learning that you only learn in the belly of the fish, that you cannot learn when all is good. You see, what our God does is he takes an instrument of death and brings life out of it. This isn't Jonah's death. This is his rebirth. An instrument of death that leads to life? Does that sound familiar? Jesus said, I'm going to give you the sign of Jonah. He says, I'm going to be buried for three days, and then I'm going to come back to life. And on the darkest day in human history where the Son of God is crucified, the darling of heaven crucified, God takes that darkness and brings from it life. And the reason we are sat here today, 
The reason that we have a hope, not just for this life, but for eternity, that one day all will be right, is because God takes awful things and he turns them into beautiful things. And that is what we're seeing in Jonah. That a man in the belly of the fish is being transformed and meeting God in a place where you might think God is God forsaken. And you know, there are three reasons that you might end up in the fish. Maybe like Jonah, you're in the fish through your own mistakes. You're facing the consequences of your own actions. That's Jonah's story. Or maybe you end up in the fish because of someone else's mistakes. That other people have done stuff, said stuff to you, or that has affected you, and you've ended up in a dark place. And it's not your fault, but you're there anyway. Or maybe it's just the brokenness of the world. There is a promise that because of the resurrection of Jesus, one day all will be made new. But today we have to live with the not yet. The kingdom of God is breaking in, but there is still sickness and there is still pain and there is still hurt and there is still brokenness. We cannot escape that. And maybe you are here today and you are in the belly of the fish and I don't know why you're there. And maybe you know exactly why you're there or maybe you don't and you are confused and you are hurting and you are suffering. And God does not minimize what you're going through. He hates what you're going through. That's why Jesus came that one day ultimately all that would be done away with. He suffers with you as you suffer. He walks through it with you as you walk through it. He hates it and he has not caused it what it is you're going through. But the story of the Bible is that he will use it. That there are lessons that you learn in the belly of the fish that you cannot learn anywhere else. That there are encounters with God you will have in the belly of the fish that you cannot have anywhere else. That's my experience. I've been in my few fish bellies. <laughs> and some of you know them, some of you don't, and some of you got your own stuff. But I know this. Some of the most precious encounters with the Lord have been in the darkest times. And I have grown in ways I would never have expected to grow through walking with Jesus through hard times. Am I glad I've gone through that? But can I see how God has used it? I'm starting to. So how do we have this encounter with God? How do we allow this suffering and this hurt that we might go through to change us? Well, we do one of the only good things Jonah does in the whole book. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. When you go through hard times, you have a choice. You can turn away from God, or you can turn to him. And there are days I have turned away. But as I've turned to him, I've realized it's not just me turning to him, he's turning to me. 
It's not me holding on to him. It is him holding on to me. And so I don't know where this lands with you, but I want us to respond. And the way I want us to respond is I want us to watch a song. Um, It's a song you might know. It's based on the story of Daniel's three mates being chucked into the fiery furnace and finding that in the furnace there's someone walking in it with them. It's written by a guy who had recently been given, his son had been given a, a pretty devastating diagnosis, and he writes this song as a response. And so I'd love for us just to watch this. You might know it, you might want to sing it, you might just want to reflect quietly. And then we're just going to see what God has to say to us, what he has to say to us as we walk through all the stuff that we have to walk through.
look like what you expect it to look like it's not rapturous worship necessarily it's not smiles and laughter sometimes it's the difference between venting about God to others or in your own heart and venting at God maybe some of you today you need to tell God exactly how you feel and it might not be pretty. And that's okay, you can take it. You read the Psalms. It's full of people venting at God. He can take your pain. He can take your hurt. He can take your confusion, your frustration and your anger. He can take it. Or for you, maybe you know that you've been just running from him your life hasn't turned out how you expected it to and maybe today is just a time to surrender and go I don't get it and I'm going to keep praying for healing I'm going to keep praying for breakthrough and expecting him to move but even if he doesn't respond to this, I don't know, it may be that you need prayer, there's stuff that you're going through and you just need some prayer today to keep going it may be today you need to make a decision to turn back it may be you just need to tell him how you feel and so we're just going to stay in this place I think what I'd like to happen as we've got our heads bowed and maybe our eyes closed <laughs> just as a sign because there is power in our actions if you're here today and you go I am in the fire I am in the belly of the fish I'd just love for you to raise your hand and be 
really brave. Thank you. And I don't need to know what's going on or why it's happening. We've got folk here who are struggling. Because I'd love to pray with you. And when you keep your hand raised, if you're here and you're in that belly of the fish and you're struggling today, just raise your hand. Yeah, okay. He sees you. He sees you and he loves you and he will walk through this with you. And I'm going to pray and then we're going to move into worship and we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. And if you want more prayer, you head to the back and some of the leadership team and um, Tony and Dawn and some of the guys that we meet with on Monday nights will be around to pray with you. Um, So Father, would you come Thank you that you meet us in our pain. You meet us when it's rubbish. And you change us. And I pray for my brothers and sisters who maybe can't see the end game. Who can't see how you're at work. And I pray that you would meet them now, Holy Spirit. for those who have turned from you that they would turn to you now and find the loving arms of a father who welcomes them home and though we might beat against his chest he holds us 